Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. So hi, everybody. This is Philip Van Dusen again with Ian Paget, who is a graphic designer from Manchester, the UK. He's best known as the Logo Geek, and he designs logos, writes blogs. He's everywhere. He has a podcast. He's a very successful Twitter channel. He runs a thriving Facebook community, and uh, he works as a creative director at a web design agency and has been featured in a lot of publications like Creative Block, Entrepreneur, 99U, Photoshop Creative, an expert in logo design and a very accomplished designer. And I welcome Ian. It's great to be on your show. So Ian, why don't you tell us a little bit about your career path? How have you kind of come to where you are? Okay, so I think it's probably worth just starting off. Um, so at school, um, I was always uh, really interested in, um, you know, creative uh, kind of classes, you know, working. I, I, I was a kid that loved art, so always drawing. Um, I, I I got a few um, drawings on TV, which was always really exciting as a kid. And um, I remember, you know, teachers early on, they said, um, you should focus on this. So the very first job I actually had was as a print finisher for a an, an exhibition company. So my role at that time was to basically take printed graphics and, and finish it off. But I, I learned quite early on that this um, job wasn't right for me. And what I wanted to be doing was what the uh, small team of art workers were doing, which is on the computer. Um, I didn't have any formal studies in that, so I wasn't particularly sure uh, what direction to take. Um, but it seemed that like destiny took me on a path because uh, what happened in that job, uh, I used to ride um, a moped to, to work and I had an accident on that that uh, prevented me from getting to this job. And I literally got the first job that I could find. And it was where a friend of mine worked at a medical company. And um, this was just intended to be a, a temporary job, um, just working in the warehouse with him. You know, it was very close to uh, where I lived at that time. Um, but it turned out to be a really good opportunity and kind of what um, took me on my my career path because uh, within my interview I mentioned that I was really interested in art and um, that's something that I would like to pursue at some point in my career so they created this opportunity for me as a trial job within a team called product support and education and this team basically what they did they were booking hotels um, they, they're basically supporting this international sales team. But a very small part of that job was to create these posters to help the team sell. So that was my first exposure to um, creative software. And though it was, I had a really old um, Mac and I had Quark Express and Illustrator and a few other. That files. dates you right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, that was an old computer even then. Um, but because I was quite a shy kid, booking the hotels, I was terrible at that. I was just really bad at everything, but what I was good at was working on these posters and I, I could kind of cobble them together. Um, I was just trying things in the software. I was asking questions and, um, you know, within like my first week, I was able to create posters that were better than what they were already doing. Mm. Um, just because it was 
you know, my uh, main interest growing up. So they saw some potential there. They they provided me with uh, training with a local print company. Uh, they they had some kind of partnership with that print company. So we sent all of their work there. And um, in exchange, they gave me um, like a, a six afternoon training sessions over a six week period, uh, which was really um, useful for, for me. Um, being really, I, I took it as such an opportunity. I mean, you're, you're talking like when I was about 20, I was dying to learn this stuff. So I went to those um, uh, sessions with like long list of questions. And after that period of time, I was able to create print finished artwork. And what I didn't realize at that stage, that company used to outsource all of that. So that team originally, they they would kind of mock things up together in house with the um, with all of the people internally, with all the sales managers and stuff like that. Then they would send it over to someone who would finish it off, which obviously has a cost. And I was way cheaper. So it, it within a five year period in that company, it changed a lot that that team changed so much. Uh, we went from being, you know, just three of us in the corner um, to being almost like a, a graphic design team with photography area and all this sort of stuff. I inevitably hit a glass ceiling in that job. So that's when I moved on um, to uh, the company that I still work at now on a part-time basis. And I mean, what, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to work for a branding agency. I wanted to do something that was more diverse. So I, I went from this company where it was, it was all medical products to um, more diverse range of projects. And I, I found this job at a web design agency. I mean, that, that was a massive learning curve going from primarily print-based work to web design work. But I found because it was very fast paced and because I needed to get things done substantially faster than what I did previously, I kind of felt like I was a student, you know, and I was I was learning. But being in that job for 10 years, I'm now a creative director. I manage a small team and I've learned so much about web design and conversion rates and managing people and all sorts of stuff. Now, as to where Logo Geek come in, so I've always been passionate about learning because I'm primarily self-taught. From when I originally started, I always practiced. So I'd always like find projects at home and then I practice things. So early on, I did things like CD covers. I've, I've done movie posters. I've done computer games, all sorts of stuff. But uh, there was a period of time, about four years, where I worked on a computer game with a couple of friends of mine. And it was a really exciting project because we could do lots of like, like illustrations, animations, all sorts of stuff. But on and off for the space of about four years and it was all in my free time and uh, as exciting as it was and as great as an opportunity as it was as well it was very draining and at the end of that once we finished I thought no more side projects this is just it, it was just too much work you know you I'd, I'd be on holiday and I'd be doing these things and I, I just after doing it so much you just get to a point where it's not fun anymore because you just want to finish this thing. So yeah, I decided, yeah, no more. And then I think it was like two weeks later, I'm like, I want to work on some project again. <laughs> I didn't want it to be a long-term project like that game was. I wanted it to just, just be short-term projects. And I, I was talking to my uh, partner at that time. She just said straight away, Ian, you're really good at logo design. Why don't you just do that? That's actually what I was going to uh, kind of ask you about was you've gone from, you've kind of fell into the industry to an extent, and then you have been with this web design agent for 10 years. So that's a long stretch, but, but you've progressed and grown in that 
agency and gone from an individual contributor to being a creative director. And on my channel, I give a lot of tips about the kind of skill sets that they need to learn in order to make that transition. And so having done that within that job, how did that happen? Were you just given a few people and then you just kind of learned it along the way? Did you um, have a mentor who kind of taught you people management or all? Or was it was it a kind of test and a, repeat? It's a really hard thing to answer because um, I've grown with the company. So when I first started, we had a UK team um, that was a mixture of like account managers, online marketing um, people and myself. And at that time, we Within the office, there was only about six people. Mm -hmm. um, oh, we, the whole had, office, not just the design. Yeah, group. so yeah. the UK office was only about six people. But then there was also this international team like in um, Eastern Europe uh, that actually did a lot of the actual physical building of the website. So I, I came to the company at a point where it was probably only about five years old and mm -hmm. To start a team uh, mature. I was the, the first full-time graphic designer at that point. Um, so I came in with quite a clean um, slate and uh, they, they, they did early on give me a lead position because they, they wanted me to come in and just take control of it. Right. So as, as to answer your question, I would say it was it's been very gradual. I remember getting to a point where because I was doing everything on my own, you try and work as quickly as you can. But then there just becomes a point where it's like there is way too much work for one person. Yeah. This is not physically um, possible. So there have been stages where we brought in other people. So it's been like one at a time and managing someone is challenging, um, especially based on their skill sets. So I've, I've worked with a lot of interns that tends to be a lot more challenging than bringing in someone. Cause they're so junior. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in terms of like learning those skills, really, it's been very much on the job and, you know, making mistakes as I go. And in terms of mentorship and guidance with that, uh, my uh, the director of the company, she's given me a lot of advice on on what I can do to manage them and dealing with certain situations. Mm -hmm. But it, is, it very much has been learning on the job and learning from my own mistakes and trying things, experimenting with things and, and seeing how it works. But at the end of the day, the, the goal of your job is to make sure that everything gets done. Right. And once you've kind of given that person the, the skills and the guidance to do what they need to do, it's just a case of alloc allocating the workload. Right. So it becomes quite easy once that person is is trained up. So mm -hmm. the way that I've always seen it is when they first start, you just need to give them guidance. You kind of need to take responsibility for what they do. And just keep an eye on it. So I've, I've I put in processes whereby the team they would have to work with an with an account manager, but then the account manager needs to then run it by me first. So we've got like this quality control right. um, check. But other than that, to be honest, yeah. it's not your that pants hard. over time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you a little bit. I talk a lot about personal brand development and uh, content inbound marketing. And you have started off as a designer and have been working at this agency. But in the meantime, you've gotten very focused on logo design and built a very successful brand around the logo geek. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about how that came about, how it started, and then how it evolved and grew. Because you're on a number of platforms. You're on, you yeah. have a 92,000 person following on your Twitter for the Logo Geek. You have a YouTube channel and you have a very successful podcast. How did those things come about? You obviously didn't launch them all at the same time. So yeah, yeah talk a little I, bit about that. I and think 
I, th I think looking at it here today, it looks like a substantial amount of work, but it's it's been very much a, a gradual thing. So what I mentioned earlier about my partner recommending uh, logo design, what I did at that time is I think it's worth just making it very clear that I never planned it to be what it is now. It was always just a bit of fun, you know, just a hobby, just a platform so that I could learn more about logo design because it was something that I was really interested in and uh, the job that I worked and there wasn't enough of that kind of work. So I just wanted to do more. Um, but the way that I started it, I needed a, I wanted to create a website. Um, I picked up a few skills from my job. Um, I learned a, a little bit about SEO. So engine optimization and at that time if you basically had logodesign.com you'd pretty much be ranking position one because that's how um, that was one of the major ranking factors at that time but things have changed a lot so I wanted a name that had logo in it and after going through hundreds and hundreds of things I eventually came across logogeek.co.uk couldn't believe it was free and there was no strategy behind it it was it was free so I registered it and, and that was done so what I then did is within a weekend I threw together a website so mm. I, I just took WordPress found a theme plonked a logo together slapped some kind of layout together slapped some text together you know it was poor quality just because I thought no one was going to look at this thing it was just me I found all of the logos that I'd done up to that point uh, myself and there wasn't many there was I think like six and none of them were that good <laughs> but I, I put them on there and I thought yeah that would do and it, it was a case of just gradually working on this and uh, that at that time, because I was telling people about this, I had a couple of friends that sent projects to me. They, I didn't know how much logo design costs. So someone offered me 50 pounds. I'm like, because <laughs> it was on wow. because it was on the side of a job. Yeah. At that time, I was happy with that money because it was like pocket money for me. My right. my full time job paid for stuff. So did a few for a few friends that allowed me to build out my portfolio. Each time I did something, I added a case study. But because I did a little bit of basic SEO on that site, I just remember this day when I had an email from someone and I didn't know who they were. <laughs> and I never expected that to happen. It totally threw me. I, I quoted them, again, a very small amount of money. But what I did at that time was I set up things like quotes properly. I started to do template emails. I, I basically set up like a framework that I would work towards because I, I wanted to do it properly with this client right it kind of gave me a push because I saw that there's obviously a, a lot more potential for this to get extra money that could pay for holidays or you know if I wanted to buy any games console or whatever right. it, it, it was toy, you know extra money that I didn't need so it was like a, a, a nice income so that drove me and and another thing that drove me at that time was I was trying to get more clients early on and I don't know where I heard it but there was at a time where I I heard someone say that you should invest like half of your profit into marketing or something like that. I, I don't know where I heard that. But every time I got paid, I decided I'm going to pay to promote my business on Facebook. And um, <laughs> it just felt like a total waste of money. Mm -hmm. Because I was I was boosting posts that was targeted at us, <laughs> right? Rather than selling client. to selling to your yeah, your like I, I was than, literally yeah. finding resources that I enjoyed and sharing them, and uh, the numbers were growing. But it, the interaction was from other graphic designers that were interested in logo design. Right. It was never potential clients, so it felt like a, a waste of time. But what I did enjoy was finding resources and sharing them. 
This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit BYOL.me forward slash Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's BYOL.me forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. Well, let me ask you a little bit about that. As one of the things I talk about also is the value of content marketing or inbound marketing where people are developing content and then it's generating eyeballs and attention and hopefully new business for you. So I speak to designers in our community, but I also speak to entrepreneurs and my subjects are much broader in terms of brand development and marketing and things that are applicable to clients. And so I, from my YouTube channel, get a lot of new business from client type of people. And uh, so do you, have you experienced that with your Logo Geek brand? Are you getting client work from that or is your audience mostly our tribe? Now I've got to where I get a lot of leads through Google um, because I, I found with with a lot of the activity that I was doing early on, like writing case studies, writing blogs, doing social media posting, that is basically organic SEO. Right. And um, another thing I found was by tweeting or posting on social and growing an audience, very early on, I, I was seen as some kind of authoritative figure in the industry, which I was really surprised about just because I was finding resources and sharing it. I was getting invited to different opportunities, um, being invited to be on the jury for something like transfer awards, um, being invited to like write blogs for creative blog. Each of these things, they generate back, mm-hmm. which is another um, SEO tool. factor right. of SEO. Sure. And because all my content is hyper-focused around logo design, my search results have been pushing up. And because I picked up a lot of things about SEO in, in my in, uh, the company I work at and because it's something that I'm quite interested in, I've just been building on that continuously, like just building up the number of backlinks I can get, um, building up content, building up internal linking, you know, optimizing the, the copy on the site, all that sort of stuff. So organically, kind of by accident, <laughs> I started to rank on Google for right. generic terms like logo design. Yeah, which is a tough you know, one. Yeah, in, in the UK, logo design, um, there was a point where I was position one, page one. Um, it jumps Impressive. between page one and two now. But if you search things like logo design UK, I don't know where it is at the moment, but it's like position one or two. It keeps, it's always jumping. When you're at those um, high spots, very generic terms, uh, that's where you come. So because I was doing this on the side and because I just saw it as a challenge, like I want to get position one, I just kept doing all this sort of stuff in my free time and doing projects now and again. But the byproduct of doing that and and doing on my social media and stuff, I get a lot of emails. (laughs) I get a lot of people that just get in touch about uh, Lego designs. So for, for the last couple of years, I've been able to just take on project after project after project without doing any traditional marketing. 
Right. So your um, your content development is essentially acted as SEO fodder. That yeah. All the backlinks, yeah. all the content you're developing. So your your yeah. content itself is not really. I don't want to say this the wrong way, but it's not attractive to the client people. The client people aren't following you regularly about your yeah. activity with logo. But <laughs> I, I, all of your logo I, content is driving you so high in search results that is driving traffic to your website, and your website is converting yeah. people into clients. Yeah. I think that that's a really so interesting you, point to make. I think it's worth saying as well the content content I write at the moment, I don't write it for clients. Right. I write it for graphic designers that right. are interested in logo design. Yeah. Because that makes it easier for me to write. I can write it with passion. I can write it in detail. As the, a byproduct of doing that, I've been able to build an audience of graphic designers on the side as well. And um, that side of it is, is another side of my business that's also making money now as well. But Talk, in terms talk of a little bit about that, because I mean, your passion project has turned into a yeah. business and your yeah. target is not client people. It's your own tribe of designers. You are, you're getting paid to, to be a sponsor mm-hmm. for companies that you have pre-roll on your podcast, essentially, that you obviously get paid for. Talk about that a little bit. Are you selling webinars or products to the graphic design community or resources or access to resources, or is it okay. just through sponsorship? at this point that you're making revenue um, around your audience? Well, I I kind of put a high level business plan together about a year ago. And uh, one of the problems with client work that my time, I'm, I'm trading time for money. Right. And there's a limit on that. But with the audience building side of it, you can build a passive income. Mm-hmm. And the way I'm doing this at the moment, although I've got a longer term plan, is by promoting things like affiliate links. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure your audience are fam- familiar with affiliate links, but basically I promote another company's product and each time it makes a sale, I make a percentage of that sale. Um, so I'm kind of like a middleman to help promote this. So things like font libraries, uh, graphic design bundles and so on. Mm-hmm. When I promote those on Twitter or in the Facebook group, anytime someone buys it, I get a commission. But the reality is I would have promoted that anyway. Um, so that's one area. As for sponsorship, sponsorship is the big easy money. I actually did. I was actually a co-host on another um, podcast called Milo mm-hmm. and uh, Preston who runs it he's very savvy with uh, making money from blogging and content generation I remember he told us oh this this isn't going to make as much money I thought he was going to make a small amount of money but I, I found out when we finished it it was several thousand pound it was a substantial amount of money but because he needed to pay other people to do stuff it didn't work out much for all of us but mm. doing that it really like sparked some I thought whoa if you can get that I can get that too Mm -hmm. and I I was approached by FreshBooks a few years ago um you know asking me if I can help promote them but I kind of brushed it off because I thought I don't want to promote your thing on my blog right I just didn't realize the amount of money that was potentially involved so I had their details already and I pitched a podcast to them now the podcast I can do anything I want the agreement is that there is a pre-roll and a Mm mid-roll and placement Mm -hmm. um over 10 episodes so so it's a specific contract period yeah it's a specific yeah um like it's actually agreed when I will release each of the podcasts and um I think it's worth mentioning that a at that time, I didn't even have a podcast or have anything to prove. Oh, I that's interesting. So <laughs> why did they approach you if they didn't know um, you even they had a podcast? They was interested in my email list, my social media data, and my web traffic. So there was a lot of 
um, potential opportunities there that I could trade. So, so in a way, I that had, was they were looking at your SEO ranking too, yeah, and that yeah. was attracting them. Yeah. Yeah. So within the deal, it's not just an ad placement on my podcast. Right. It's all. It's also weekly emails with the ad placement in there. Okay. It's also show notes with the ad placement prominently in there. Mm-hmm. So they're getting SEO juice from it. They're getting um, clicks from emails. Right. And then obviously they're getting the um, listener numbers from the podcast. Let me ask you a little bit about your email list. So. Email lesser, I always talk about how you shouldn't build your brand on borrowed land. So yeah, yeah. you host your podcast on your own website. So, you know, if iTunes goes down, people can still access your content. I'm always talking about the value of building an email list. And people do that through pop-ups, offering lead magnets, so downloadable PDFs or checklists and things like that in order to get people to give up their email address. How have you built your email address. And okay. what do you do with that? Do you have a newsletter? You say you send out an email every week. What does that email mm-hmm. um, include? Okay. And do you um, email more than once a week? Okay. I think it's worth saying that I feel like my whole email strategy is just being terrible. Okay, but the way that, that I, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the way that I've actually built up um, an email list of um, about 12,000 mm-hmm. uh, is by creating a downloadable PDF that was just high value. So what I did is I reached out to all the people I know in the industry and asked them to provide me with one logo design tip. Mm-hmm. And then I created this ebook that was 50 logo design tips from the pros. And where I got the biggest success is uh, David Airy promoted it on his website put a link to it, did a whole feature about it. You know, the, the combination of promoting this over the space of a year, uh, I got a lot of data. So you're that. promoting it on your other social channels and... Yeah, I was promoting it like on every blog post I did. I was, um, I, I had like a little featured banner on my website. So anyone that came on my website, they would find it. I had it as my pin post on Twitter. Right. I promoted it pretty much everywhere I could and everyone that was included in it was also promoting it as well. So it really was that the bulk of those emails was in the first like two weeks. Oh, wow. It's a substantial amount of email data. In terms of actually using that data, being honest, I sat on it for a long time. So this was a, Um, it was a, sorry, it was a lead magnet. So you offered the download the PDF and then people signed up with their email list and you got 12,000 within a few weeks. Yeah. So I created a nice uh, landing page, got a separate um, URL. I think it was like logodesigntips.co.uk, which doesn't exist now. I I took it down Mm because it took me a few years until I actually had time to do something with that. With the list, you mean? So you sat on a list of 12,000 people? A long time. And then I I started to use it to promote my um, podcast. And I don't know. I, I, kind of feel like if you're going to do email if you're going to have a lead magnet you need like a proper strategy so that you can keep promoting to the people i don't think you can just collect up data and with the new gdpr laws mm-hmm. i because i've changed my list so many times and downloaded the list and stuff like that i don't have any evidence of anyone verifying it so that list has now been stripped down to about I think, just over a thousand, mm-hmm. but that was about the percentage of people that was actually reading Opening the content. Anyway, yeah. so it's probably a better quality list. 
Right. Um, but I do know if I ever do anything like that again, it lead magnets is definitely a way of building up an email list. Mm-hmm. But I have to say from experience, I think if you're going to do that, you need some kind of like follow up auto training course or something or monthly emails or something that they're actually going to be getting rather than just sitting on data, not doing anything with it. I think that was a big mistake for me. Right. I, after 12,000 people sign up and then to kind of go dark for a year before you get back in touch with them. That's, that was, that's interesting. But in a way, when they heard back from you, they were probably like, Oh yeah, I remember this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, so it, when you send out an email, that email out every week, because you're promoting fresh books, what's in that email to your email list? Um, it's, it's not really promoting uh, fresh books directly is, is actually saying we've got a new podcast out. Okay. Um, it's mostly promoting your content. Such such. Yeah. So it's promoting the content, but it just happens to have a section in there with, with something along the lines of, I just like to give a shout out. Right. To I fresh didn't mean to infer that it was like you were sending out a fresh books ad to your <laughs> list every yeah, week. It's, it, it is just literally just a piece of tech in that. Yeah. But what I do weekly because one I, I schedule all, all my podcasts and I get all of the content prepared so that I can roll it out on a weekly basis. And what that email is doing is telling people there's a new episode. You can go and see it here. This is what it's about. Right. Just being enough information to make people be interested enough to actually click to download, click describe yeah. or whatever. But yeah, there, there was quite a lot of clicks on the FreshBooks ad, which is good because it's got a tracking code on it. And Absolutely. they can see that. And yeah. the more of that they get, the more leverage I have to ask for more money sure. should I ever do another um, season. Very quickly, we're obviously sh- running short on time as it, our conversations go so quickly. But I, one question that I always kind of close with, and it's a more general one, is do you have a personal mantra or manifesto that you try to live your life by or your professional life by? Um, I think something that I've started doing recently is that it's better to try and fail than rather than to never try at all. Mm-hmm. Um, basically live life with no regrets. Yeah. Have, have, um, have you tried something that you failed at that you don't regret trying? Um, I would say probably one of the biggest things, and this might be a big answer, um, a long answer, sorry. I've always been quite an anxious person. So things like starting a podcast, that was terrifying for me. Sure. And I could have just like not worked on anything and never did that. But podcasting has been one of the best things that I've ever done. And it's been very rewarding. I've networked with different people. Mm-hmm. Like I, I personally know people like David Airy, Aaron Draplin, Chris Doe. Like I've actually physically spent a substantial amount of time with them, talking to them, and mm-hmm. I can email them as a friend. Yeah. And those relationships open up other doors. So um I do not regret trying that. And that's also given me the confidence to do video. Right. Like doing video is intim- intimidating, but now I'm talking with you. Yeah. So I think all of these things you you have to try and you have to try and you know otherwise, you know, when you're an 80-year-old man or woman, you're going to look back and regret not ever trying that thing. That's right. So I'd rather like I I believe that life is once and I don't want to regret. So mm-hmm. I any opportunity that comes up that seems exciting, 
I am trying to push myself through through it, even if it's terrifying sometimes. <laughs> well, that is that wasn't that long an answer, and that was very, I think, impressive. And uh, I think you're totally right. So, Ian, where can people get in touch with you? Okay, so basically, I'm under the um, name of Logo Geek. So you can Google Logo Geek, and you can find me on. You can find my website logogeek.uk, or if you use logogeek.com, it will auto direct. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at logo underscore geek. Um, I try and post on there daily. Um, I've also got a Facebook community, which is very active. And you can find at logogeek.uk forward slash community or just search Logo Geek community on, on Facebook. I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's great. Well, you're everywhere. And I tell you, your SEO has worked well because we, all you have to do is search Logo Geek and it's yeah, all search Ian Paget. And you'll all find it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ian, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. And I really yeah, you appreciate too. your spending time to share a lot of your experience with audience. No worries. It's great to speak to you. Okay. Thanks a lot. Have a great rest of your day. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.